the choice to spread love in a world full of pain. The generation willing to be a light in darkness. The selfless desire to serve humanity. The purpose fueled with passion to make a difference. This is Madcasters, the ultimate guide you need to impact the world. What's going on, everyone? This is your host, Brian St. Louis, and I'm here to connect you to impact leaders across the globe who strive to make a difference in their communities and the world. As you listen to these gripping stories and endeavors from inspirational people and organizations, you will gain the confidence to implement strategies to make a difference not only in your personal life, but to impact humanity around you. Please subscribe to Madcasters on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Instagram. Support through Patreon. Together, let's make a difference and change the world. going on everyone it's your host brian st louis and we have our special guest vanessa landry and she is the founder of conscious footprint and her whole concept is to help passionate echo advocates scale their impact by clarifying their goals and and designing a pathway to achieve them with clarity commitment and confidence and vanessa is all about social impact and i really had a great conversation with her and so really looking forward to this podcast episode thank you so much vanessa for coming on to mad cashers podcast thanks so much for having me i'm excited to be here absolutely absolutely when we get into this and why don't you uh tell our listeners just a little bit more about who you are your journey into becoming this individual that truly cares to impact the world yeah absolutely i mean So today I focus predominantly on sustainability and the fight around climate change. And I'm a huge eco advocate and want to do everything I can to help reverse the effects of climate change. Mm. But it really started for me back when I was 16 and it was really much broader at that stage. And I participated in a homelessness immersion program when I was 16 Mm. where I slept on the floor of a homeless shelter and interacted with residents of the shelter, hearing their life stories and hearing how, you know, some of these people had doctorate degrees, master's degrees, and just fallen on their luck. And it really opened my eyes at a very young age to all the systemic issues we face as a society, as well as all the things that we all need to care about to make Mm. the world better. So from 16 onward, I was really focused on what can I do to be a part of the solution? What can I do to help make the world a better place? And that led me through a series of choices in my adult life that 
you know, took me through a degree in sociology and then eventually on to my master's in business administration, which I applied into the nonprofit sector. Mm. So I've had yeah. this really sort of diverse path <laughs> that right, led right. me all the way here. That's amazing. I mean, you're 16 years old and you decided to take that plunge into that type of that, that type of uh, experience, to say the least. Uh, how did that make you feel? How was that? Like, can you explain to us how that actually was to be immersed in that uh, environment? And you said it, you, it was a day or was it a week? It was a weekend. So, weekend. There you go. Yeah. So we Jeez. slept, I think, two nights there and, and we were a bunch of 16 year olds. There were about mm-hmm. 20 of us. And I I can still remember it. I can remember sleeping on that floor. You know, they gave us a pillow and a blanket but we Mm. didn't have a bed because they didn't want to displace anyone. And I can actually remember one night we were all laying there and we overheard one of the staff telling someone else that they didn't have enough blankets and pillows because of us being on the floor. And so they hadn't displaced the beds for the, for the residents, but they had given us their blankets and their pillows. And I can remember at 16, just feeling like, Oh my gosh, like, we can share blankets. Like this is just an experience for us. And these people are coming here for a safe haven and we have their blankets. And it was just so shocking. And so some of us actually crawled out of bed, you know, and we went over and we brought back our blankets and our pillows. And some of the residents were just so grateful that they took us aside. And we had an extensive conversation with them about what it was like um, entering into this shelter every single night because no like two nights were guaranteed. Mm. Um, and we just got to hear their stories firsthand. And it was so eye opening. And then, you know, the next day we were playing cards with them and just joking around. And mm-hmm. it really opened your eyes to the fact that homeless people are just people who've had some incident in their life that have put them down on their luck, and they need services and support to get out of the situation they're in. And so at 16, I was just so boggled my mind was so boggled by the fact that this was the reality for so many people i i i think about this experience not that i personally had but i remember i was reading up on someone who slept on the street in order to understand how it felt for like a teenager who was experiencing homelessness in in uh, the uk and just you know hearing that experience was, was pretty, it was very heartwarming, but to hear from you, you know, now in person, it's just, it's so, it's different. It's just like knowing that we also are doing this as an experiential type of factor. And it's not necessarily something that, that you're experiencing um, for your whole life, but under making that understanding at 16 years old that, wow, you know, this is, this is so, this has definitely impacted their lives in such a neg- negative way. Um, but however, you're able to now take that into the person that you are today. And so from that age of 16 years old, you started moving towards the business sector, towards nonprofit. What did you start moving into in that sense? What were some of the the projects that you were working with or some of the organizations that that you started working with, with this new heart that you found? to impact the world in that way. 
Yeah. I mean, so in my twenties, I kind of explored, Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to have impact and I knew I wanted every single day of my work life to have impact. Yeah. And so I explored my options. I worked in higher education. So getting scholarships for disadvantaged people so that they could get higher education. I went into harm reduction Mm -hmm. to support people with substance use issues and helping their families. Yeah, that was really interesting. And then I went and I worked at Cancer Research UK, Mm. one of the largest nonprofits in the world, working with cancer research and treatment. Um, And then I came to Canada and I was consulting to some of the top nonprofits in Canada. So I've worked now with the likes of Greenpeace, WWF, the Canadian Red Cross, the Liberal Party of Canada, you name it. So you (laughs) probably done it. (laughs) I'm I'm sitting here. I'm just like, my goodness, you really have done it all. (laughs) When it comes to the nonprofit sector, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been a whirlwind. It's yeah. been fascinating and interesting. And, you know, I've had my hands in some really exciting campaigns and projects, and I've helped to fund millions of dollars of their work. And mm. it's really fulfilling. It's fulfilling work. And it's work that needs to be done. Yeah, so I, yeah. I love meeting like minded people who understand that we have to band together and we have to take action because there are things that we need to work on. I mean, you talk about the fact, like, for instance, in one of, one of your phrases in your biography, is so you say at the end of the day, it's all about impact. Yeah. And you're literally personifying that, right? You've embodied that for who you are. And I find that to be just amazing, right? Um, but someone may say, and, and I'm just kind of throwing out this question here, but someone may say, you know what, um, you know, I've taken this job in this in this sector. It might not necessarily be impacting um, let's say I'm not, I might not necessarily be working with youth, uh, dealing with drug addiction. Right. But my job is impacting in some way, shape or form. You know, what, what are we, what do we say to the individual who's trying to figure out how their job is, is impacting the world or if they, or if they feel like they're actually impacting, or if they should maybe transition their, their job because they don't necessarily feel like it's, uh, it's, too impactful in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we all have a a purpose to find in our lives. And our our purpose, I define it in two ways, is number one, to have the impact we were meant to have in this world. And number two, to live a life that we love. Mm. And the two are not mutually exclusive. And so In both of those scenarios, like you have to love what you're doing and your heart has to sing and you have to feel proud and have joy and fulfillment in what you're doing. So if you aren't feeling that and you aren't feeling like you're having impact and that's what you want, then I would say go explore other areas because you should love what you're doing. Mm. And 40 plus hours a week, you, it, when you're spending your time on something you don't love, like go find something you do and do it. But the other side of it, which you bring up a really good point is that, you know, sometimes we don't see the impact we're having. And sometimes we think, oh, we're just one person or we can't have as big of an impact as somebody right. else. And really everything we do has impact. Mm. So as long as we're doing it with integrity, with good intentions, you know, it's about, okay, how do we 
then amplify that. How do we scale that? What are we doing to actually make our impact impactful mm. <laughs> and growing on a constant basis? No, I agree. I agree with that for sure. I agree with that for sure because, uh, I mean, I even myself, I you know, I've had to battle that. You know, what what exactly am I doing right now that is impacting in the way that I I enjoy or the way that I want to spend my life and everything of the sort. But then I also told myself, you know what, whatever I'm in, whatever I choose to do, I'm just gonna do it at the best of my ability, knowing like just like you said. Uh, at the end of the day, it's still impacting in some way, shape or form, or you could just impact someone in a different way, might not necessarily deal with your job, but just the way that you treat people, the way that you smile at individuals, the way that whatever the case may be, you know, ultimately, your impact is a lot farther than just the 40 hours that you work as well, or more, or less, Mm -hmm. depending on (laughs) where you are as well. Uh, But but seeing now that you you got into all of these different sectors uh, that you started to work in and you you've worked in so many different areas of nonprofit organizations, uh, but you you chose to to move on to a different direction. Why was that the choice that you decided to make and and what what basically catapulted you to working more so? in the climate, uh, climate change or, or climate social impact area of, of, of our life? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd, I honestly, I'm honest about the fact that I was not an eco advocate 10 mm. years ago. You know, I was the person who didn't know how to recycle properly, yeah, who yeah. didn't care about single use plastic bags. And I just didn't think about the impact it was having. Mm. And which is, hilarious and ironic considering how aware I was and how Mm -hmm. much I focused in social impact. And it wasn't until I really started doing the research and I started watching more and more documentaries and I started seeing the huge impact that it's having in sort of every facet of our lives that I realized, okay, this is the thing Mm -hmm. in my mind we can't ignore. So, and I remember watching an episode of Netflix explained on the global water crisis, Mm -hmm. which is that, you know, very soon we are going to run out of access to clean water in most Western cities, as well as developing nations. So, you know, we're facing a crisis. Yeah. And a lot of it, when you dig to the root cause, it's climate change. So as a strategist and as someone who did my MBA, I just kind of had this moment where I was like, if I could focus my energy on the one root cause that, you know, would have the biggest impact for me, it's focusing on sustainability. And so I shifted and I had spent 10 years working in the nonprofit sector. And ultimately what I learned in that time was how to scale impact. I worked in marketing and fundraising and I used marketing campaigns to boost public awareness, to raise millions of dollars. And when I realized, okay, now climate change is what we have to do. I also went out and I networked and I found so many passionate eco advocates with amazing ideas, amazing, brilliant initiatives where they felt that they could have an impact in the fight against climate change. But what they were lacking was the belief in themselves that they could do it and the knowledge of the strategy and execution on how to actually make it happen fast enough. 
So instead of going to work in a climate change organization, I decided, you know what, I want to empower all these like-minded people. I want to Mm. give them the skills and the tools to actually scale that impact and that initiative that they have so that we can all have massive collective impact. And is that how you basically created Conscious Footprint? Exactly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And so basically through Conscious Footprint, you're you're not just necessarily working for a specific organization. You're helping other organizations to make sure that they have all the tools and all the uh, research X, Y, and Z, or, or just the, the willpower to make it happen for themselves. Right. Well, I work with individuals, so I empower individuals who have an idea on a new company that they might want to start or Mm -hmm. a new campaign or social initiative. So really supporting those change makers, those thinkers, dreamers to not only have an amazing idea, but okay, let's actually go make that happen. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're coaching them through that whole process. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so now dealing with this, the concept of, of the eco change or, or, or our understanding of what's happening with climate uh, around the world, what do we need to know? Because some of us are, are to, for lack of better terms, we're, we're ignorant to what's happening around the world. You know, we may not necessarily be focusing on that. There are other things happening around the world, other things that are happening in our personal lives. That we just say, is it really that big of an issue? What do we need to know uh, as everyday people who are listening to this podcast about eco change, about what's happening to our environment and how we need to better suit our environment as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing that everyone needs to realize is that climate change is no longer a theory. It's happening right now. And It's happening because our ways of living have not taken into account the need to preserve our natural resources around us, right? Mm. We've gone through a few, several decades now of just mindless consumerism. Mm. And we can't keep functioning the way we have been functioning if we want to have those resources available to us in a hundred years. So buying things without considering where they've come from or where they'll wind up is no longer going to serve us. So as consumers, we have an obligation to really think about our choices and what decisions we're making on a day-to-day from a consumer perspective, but also from an advocate and a political perspective. You know, where we spend our money is one thing, but where we vote where we put our money and invest it. Is it going into green technologies or is it going into fossil fuels? So every little choice that we as individuals make will influence the politics, the regulations that are going to control whether we can get out of the situation that we're in. Hmm. That's very interesting because... Some people, like you said, they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily attribute who they vote for necessarily as to what uh, what would happen in the environment. Correct. So yeah. there's there's a lot of. Well, that's not even a small choice, but <laughs> there's a lot of cho- <laughs> major choices and small choices that we have to 
account for um and and make sure that we're taken care of in that regard yeah. so practically Absolutely. speaking um you know someone who's a consumer who's not necessarily caring about what what they're buying what are some of those what are some of the places that like for instance this store would be a better place that's more equal friendly or this or this uh organization is more equal friendly than this place specifically and you know what what are some differentiations in that regard that we can focus on that we can see yeah i mean if you're just getting started one of the easiest ways to to think about it is around packaging and waste so mm-hmm. shopping okay. at like eco bulk stores where you can refill your own containers mm. will immediately eliminate any waste that you bring into your home so that's often the first place people start is they start decreasing the waste that they're putting out. So how much rubbish are you putting out once a week? How much recycling are you putting out? Because in most Western societies, only about 10% of what we put into the recycling bin actually makes it through the recycling process. So the only way to actually eliminate that other 90% from winding up in the oceans, which is ultimately where it's going, is to not consume it or bring it into our homes to begin with. So we have to be thinking about end of life cycle with everything that we do because, mm-hmm. you know, we have huge mounds of trash in the ocean. We have huge garbage pits everywhere. That's the recycling crazy. plants aren't working properly. So what are we going to be doing to not only not contribute to it as consumers, but also use our voice to say, hey, this is no longer okay. Like corporations Mm. need to do differently. Governments need to regulate what they're doing. And we have to care as individuals because if the oceans go away, so do we. And if the animals go away, so do we. we, And we need to protect them as well as ourselves. Uh, Why why do people still have this notion that, you know, climate change is is still a a hoax or is still a, a myth? per se, you know, we're seeing things that are, that are, that are clearly not regular happening around our world uh, these days. I mean, even Calgary here had like a close to 40 degree uh, uh, <laughs> weather <laughs> Celsius. And, and, and apparently that's not very normal. Um, I've been here for three yeah. years and it's not normal for us. So, um, you know, why is it that we still have this notion that you know, this is just a conspiracy theory instead of an actual issue that's happening in our world. Yeah, I mean, I have I have two theories on this. One is that I'm not sure that people actually believe it's not happening. I think it's just easier to pretend it. You know not what? Happening. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, <laughs> I really, I, I actually really like that point because so many of us we don't want to be accountable for for the issues that are going on so i'd rather just say oh you know what this isn't this isn't real and whatever mm-hmm. i'm doing is not it's not actually it making a difference because you remember impact can be positive or negative and so some people okay. don't realize that a lot of their impact can actually be much more negative than we think and so we just rather just eh this is not real and just leave it to the wind so yeah, I, yeah or it's not yeah. my responsibility I'm, exactly that it's the governments they should do it it's the corporates they should do it but corporations and governments are just run by individuals so mm. ultimately it all comes down to individual mindset and behavior that's a fact, that's a fact. yeah 
I mean, the other thing which is relevant to those is there is a great book called The Uninhabitable Earth by David Wallace Wells. Okay. And it's all about all the various scenarios of which could have happened to us because of climate change. And ultimately, each chapter explains like an extreme scenario that could happen. And what I take away from this book is that actually scientists can't pinpoint exactly what is going to happen in the next 50, 100, 150 years because there's so many variables. Mm. So whilst we know now that climate change is happening, we know that we are headed towards a point where we won't be able to undo what we've done and it will lead to mass displacement of climate refugees. Scientists can't agree on what does that mean? Like, is Mm -hmm. it going to be that cities are flooded? Is it going to be that we have more desert land and we're lacking water? We don't know because so many variables input into that end result. And so that leads to confusion. As you know, a society, if the scientists can't tell us what we're trying to avoid, then it, it, it get, it's hard. It's hard to understand. And so all we have as individuals right now to rely on is what we're seeing. So like you pointed out, you know, we're seeing weather fluctuations. We are seeing animals um, deteriorating. We're seeing polar ice caps melt and polar bears losing their habitat. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I saw exactly. that. Video. <laughs> so, you know, all we can do as individuals is often respond to what we can see. And so anything that we can't see, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that ultimately leads us into this place of, you know, fear and mm. and holding back and that's why i work so hard with my clients and with my community to say okay but we have to step into the hope we have yeah. to step yeah. into the impact that we can have and know that it's possible because we've done this like as human beings we have overcome huge obstacles before this is an obstacle that we have to overcome but it takes every single one of us standing up and doing what we're capable of for it to truly, truly have an impact. But now, and I, I could mind you, this this podcast, and this this is the reason why. Like for instance, um, when you talked about what you do, I was like, you know what, I need to make sure she's on because this is something that I, comes to my mind. Right? Is mm-hmm. this seems like such a big issue? How do we actually? do something about climate change what can we actually do because it seems as though it's too big a task to tackle uh now i i do appreciate the fact that there are simple steps that we can take every single day in our daily life and how we can how we can deal with uh pollution how we can deal with how we're recycling and and everything of the sort but what about on a, on a larger scale? Is it, is it, is it, it sometimes just feels like a, like a beast that just can't be tackled. What, what do you say to that type of, of philosophy or thinking in that regard? Yeah. I mean, I touched on it briefly earlier, but I think looking at who you're voting for is okay, so huge that's, that's huge. Okay. huge because that influences corporate regulations as well and influences organizations and how they're handling things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but also, you know, okay, looking at your daily lifestyle, we mentioned looking at your diet and what you're eating and not necessarily saying that you have to cut out all meat and all dairy products, but there are very clear um, parameters in terms of what is a high impact food and what is a low impact food. So actually looking at where your food comes from is a huge systemic step you can take to lower your footprint and also influence supply chains and businesses as well. Speaking on that for a second now, uh, because for instance, there are a lot of vegans who, who talk about the fact that eating meat is, is affecting the the environment negatively, right? Now, when we look back in, in how things were in the olden days, let's say, uh, like early centuries or or when this, let's say, when the earth was created, X, Y, and Z, <laughs> you, have, you have individuals who used to eat meat. Mm-hmm. However, the rate that individuals used to eat meat was drastically low, <laughs> especially yeah. with how with how it was um, cooked, consumed, X, Y, and Z, because of the fact that uh, in order for you to to kill a, let's say, kill a cow, you kill a cow. Uh, but man, they took care of everything that dealt with the cow. It wasn't just, um, it wasn't just for consumption of the body, but, you know, they, they used uh, all of it. They used its hide, they used its um, well, I don't know if cows have horns, but whatever the case may be, everything, <laughs> everything about it, they they made sure to to take care of. And so we're not there right now, right? We we butcher at at a alarming rate. Uh, we we kill animals at, at a very. It, it's just it's just astronomical. The more and more I like, I've seen some videos and stuff. It's just like it's just a it's everyday things. They just they just die so fast, and so. I understand why people are saying, okay, uh, food is, is an, is an issue to the environment. That's, that that's happening. Um, because some people will use the argument, well, they've been eating me forever, but that's not how we are now, especially with the past hundred years of the way that our industry and in every sector has changed. I think that the past hundred years have to be studied to know its relevancy in history. Absolutely. Like we talked before about it's our, it's our consumption patterns that yeah. need to be looked at, not necessarily just what we're doing. Mm. And I had a, a colleague of mine a long time ago say to me, it's not the cow, it's the how. And I immediately was like, yes, that that's exactly it. And when like you do that. the research and you drill into it, the issue really isn't that we're eating meat and you know, animal rights aside and, and whether you yeah. believe that yeah, you should sure. or should not eat animals, I'm going to park that for one minute. But modern day agriculture is a huge yeah, issue crazy. when we're talking about climate change, not just with animals, but even with crops. So mm-hmm. we have destroyed the health of our soil to the point that, you know, corn crops are very detrimental if they are all just singularly planted in a huge field and the soil health isn't taken care of. Mm. So whether or not you eat meat, you can make conscious choices to make your diet more effective. And Mm. so there are amazing documentaries and books out there that talk about regenerative agriculture and Mm. more holistic agriculture. The Big Little Farm on Netflix is one of my favorite. 
And it talks about the holistic role that all these different plants and animals play together to really repair the soil health. Mm. Um, and urban, oh gosh, now I'm forgetting the name of it, but there's so many soil health advocacy trainings mm -hmm. that you can do because that's another thing we're facing. You know, we've got animal extinction that's happening. We've got ocean wellness and waste that we need to look at, but we also need to look at soil health. And that mm -hmm. is largely because of modern day agriculture. It's a lot. It's, it's yeah. a lot, but it's, but it's also, it, it keeps it at the forefront because I don't have so many conversations like these. And so when I do, it makes me think, you know, and because ultimately, if you say that you care about people, if you say you care about impacting the world, right, then we have to look at it in all sectors. It's not just spiritually. It's not just financially. It's not just with our family. It's not just with education, but we have to care about our environment, our the very oxygen that we breathe, the things that we grow. Like there's, there's so much that, that gets brought into this. And I mean, and I'm going to throw this in from my Christian perspective, right? Um, God told us to take care of the earth. And so, and so if there's, you know, if, if, if there are people out there who, who are saying, especially Christians out there who are not caring about this, then it's kind of like, what are we, what are we doing in regards to that? As we were, we're supposed to take care of the very earth that we live in. So I, I just think it's something that uh, I personally I need to even take more seriously. I need to look into more and, and take some, and not just research and, and have a knowledge of this, but right. But we're talking about executing the right steps in order for us to see a better planet, a better earth. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, like you said, it's not, not too late, but um, I, I'm hoping that, that we're able to make these, these shifts because yeah. one of the things that I realize people will say, um, cause it's not necessarily affecting them right now, but it's going to affect their grandchildren. It's going to affect their great grandchildren. And I think we have to keep that in mind as well. Well, a hundred percent. So many of us are motivated by protecting this planet for future generations, for mm. our children, our nieces and nephews, the children mm. in our neighborhood. Like what are we giving them if we mm. don't protect the planet for them? And I, I feel we have That's a duty real. to do that. That's real. Yeah. So how urgent, let's, I just want to, I just want to be clear with this as well. How urgent um, do we have to take action with regards to climate change? Yeah, well, there's, you know, lots of projections out there, but the most widely recognized one is that we have until 2030 to stop and reverse the rising global temperature. 2030? 2030. So we have about eight and a half years to change what we're doing currently. So it's not too late, but we uh -huh. do have a timeline ahead of us. So we really need to start talking about it more. We all need to start thinking about it more and we need to get realistic about what it's going to take yeah. in order to really reduce this. Because not only do we need to stop these rising global temperatures, which are largely impacted by rising global uh, greenhouse gas emissions mm -hmm. we also have to reverse it so we have done some damage in the past couple decades and we need to invest in green technologies to remove some of those emissions from the environment and we need to 
look forward to the future on how we're going to prevent it from happening again. I, I, I like this because you, you're, you're, you're giving us some, <laughs> some serious things to take. <laughs> we said eight, four, eight and a half years. That's 2030 is, is right around the corner. Because yep. 2010, we were like, oh, yeah, 2020, no, no, no. 2020 came, came and gone. And so, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure 2030 is going to come as fast, if not even faster. So it's definitely something to think about. Now, regards to investing in green technology, because I, I'm an investor, I love investing in new companies and companies that have impact right in the world, not just for uh, financial means in a sense, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's good to know that you're investing in companies that actually will make a great benefit for our, for our world, right? And so um, do you know of any possible companies that are, let's say, on the ground floor, you know, they're still pre-IPO or they're they're working through trying to figure things out and might need, um, you know, investing money or are looking to raise capital so that people can actually invest into their into their companies as well? I don't have specific companies that I recommend, but mm. for the average person, I recommend looking into green banking because green banking. just okay. with our, you know, everyday savings portfolio, our everyday retirement accounts, if we invest in a bank that does not support fossil fuels and instead will invest our assets into businesses, just like what you've requested, mm. then our money while it's sitting idle in our bank accounts and our retirement savings is actually going into these companies who need the funds. And then they're usually managed by portfolio managers who allocate that to the companies that need it most okay. um, based on grant applications and whatnot. So you can do, there's you know green banks all over the world popping up. It's happening more and okay. more. And um, they're usually the smaller banks right now. Mm -hmm. So you do need to do your research. You do need to ask around and, and find out where is my money going? And if mm. your bank can't tell you because it's too big, then there's likely somewhere along that chain that they're investing in fossil fuels. So, mm. you know, do the research, ask where your money is going and move your money to a green bank. That's probably the best way you can do it. I like that. I like that. Something to really think about. And those, these are practical steps that we can take today i just yeah. as you said green banking i literally went on google and i typed in green banking and things already popped up for for me to to see and so um you know guys take the chance take the time right now to just check out what green banking is and and get a little bit more information on that and see if the if, if that's a an easier way for you to be able to help because i i think some of the things too we we believe that, oh, man, if, in order for me to, to make change, I have to join an organization or I have to spend X amount of hours to do certain things. But a, a small shift just like this can make a, a major impact. Imagine if you, know, you have one person who might do it. OK, you only have one people. But what if you have a thousand people? If you have a hundred thousand people doing green banking. What if you have a million people? And, and as it spirals and spirals, that one initial change turns into million initial changes and it, it could eventually make those types of shifts that we need to see. So, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely, definitely grateful for, for having this information and, 
and also just for the person that you are as well it's just it's very it is very uh inspiring knowing that you know you've really since that age of 16 you said man i'm i'm about wanting to impact the world and so you've continuously found ways to grow in that sector and also uh, w- willing to pivot and to shift and do what, what needs to be done for the greater good of society. So I, I love the fact that you're doing this and, and just making these, these true differences in our society. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to leave with us today, Vanessa, before, before we leave uh, and close off this episode? No, just, you know, everyone, I hope everyone realizes that you do have an impact that every choice we make has an impact as to whether we're doing good for the planet and protecting it for the future. So just think about it, you know, watch some documentaries, read a little bit more and and see what you can do on your individual level because we can all have an impact. Awesome. I love that. Love that. This is once again, Vanessa Landry uh, with Conscious Footprint and she's all about scaling your impact. Why don't you also throw out all your social medias and let them know where they can find you, where they can get coaching from you uh, because she has all that you need. If you're looking at your entrepreneur, if you're someone who's looking to make a difference and, and really scale that impact, I think this is the person you need to be speaking with. So why don't you throw in all your IGs and, in your social medias as well, please, Vanessa. Yeah. Well, the best place to find me would actually be at scaleyourimpact.ca. So CA for Canada, scaleyourimpact.ca. And that will take you straight through to my free Facebook community where you can get in touch with me, hear about my products and services, as well as participate in free weekly trainings where we talk all things impact on the environment. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think it was one of those podcast episodes that I I needed uh, even for myself. And oh, I'm just you. really glad that that you were able to come on, spend time with us and uh, educate us on this important matter and teaching us how to make that impact in this way. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Madcasters with your host, Brian St. Louis. Please remember, do what you are called to bring into this world. Someone's life depends on your willingness to obey your calling. You are special and you have something positive to bring to this world that no one else can. Every Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Time, a new episode will be ready for you to listen and grow from. Be sure to subscribe to Madcasters on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Instagram at Madcasters Support the podcast through patreon.com backslash madcasters because together we can make the difference in order to change the world.